Today we are, however, going to pick back up in our series seven. Um, we've been in this series for several weeks where we're looking at letters written to the seven churches of Revelation. And I know what most people think when you hear the word Revelation, when you say, when you think about reading the book of Revelation, you think doomsday, the end of the world, um, those kind of things. But in the first few chapters of the book of Revelation, what we find are the final words of Jesus to seven churches who I think are much like ourselves. And from Jesus' affirmation and his correction and his rebuke of these churches, I believe there are principles that we can really learn from and grow from. And I don't know about you, but, but one of the things that I despise more than anything else um, are, are people who are fake. Um, in fact, when I say that, you probably can think of someone immediately that you think, man, I, that, they're just they're fake, they're not authentic. And, and I'm not talking about people who are playing a character or, or, or something like that, but I think most of you know what I'm talking about when I say fake people. In fact, you probably interact with them on, on a fairly regular basis. Um, it's the type of people who, who want you to believe one thing about them, or they want you to act, uh, or they want you to believe them about one thing, but their actions tell you something else. It's the people who, who lie to others and themselves so that they can present themselves in a certain way. And those people, like I said, I, get, I, I guarantee if just hearing that phrase, fake people, you probably could draw a couple to mind. And unfortunately, because of my position, I have to interact with, uh, with some of them on a pretty regular basis. People will come to me presenting themselves one way, but before long, they're... they're truth, their true colors come shining through. It, it, it happens a lot when somebody wants something. That, that's when it happens the most for me. Um, in fact, just a couple of weeks ago, about two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I was working late in the office one Sunday night, and the phone rang. I was just about done. I was about to go home, and the phone rang. And I almost let it go to voicemail because I thought it's, it's odd that somebody's calling here at this time of the night because people typically don't call churches past a certain point in time. But at the very last second, I answered it, told them, you know, my name, Glendale Christian Church, whatever. And, and on the other line was this man. And at first, it was a man whose voice seemed pretty desperate. He told me of his situation about how he had just been released from prison, from federal prison, and he was trying to get back home. And, and the desperation seemed to stem from the fact that he had to be back home by a certain day. In fact, that day was Monday. And he lived in Pennsylvania, and he was trying to make it back to Pennsylvania. And if he didn't make it back there by a certain date, then he would be in violation of his parole, and he'd be sent back to prison. And so I asked him, so, all right, well, how can I help? And he started telling me about his rough luck situation and, and, and how he was just trying to get back to Pennsylvania and how he didn't want to go back to prison. And, and so I listened to his story a little more, and, and I asked again, okay, well, how can I help? What, what can I do for you? And so he told me that he'd been calling churches all day and that some churches had helped him a little bit, but, but some didn't help him at all. And he'd met this guy who was letting him use his phone and this guy had let him use his phone all day. And, and so again, I asked, all right, well, how can I help? After not getting really any straight answers to any of the questions that I were asking and, and about what he actually needed, I was finally able to figure out that he was supposedly at a bus stop somewhere in Kentucky, but he didn't know where. And he was trying to make it back to Pennsylvania. And so I asked a couple more questions like, hey, you know, what's your name? What bus stop are you at? What, what's the, the great, you know, is it Greyhound or something like that that you're trying to get on, on a bus for? How much is the bus ticket? And the only one of those questions that I actually got a straight answer to was how much was the bus ticket? 
And so I told him, hey, look, give me your name and what bus stop you're at, and I'll buy you the ticket. I'll go online, I'll buy the ticket, and, and you'll be on your way. Well, that wasn't what he wanted me to do. He wanted me to send money via PayPal or Venmo to this person's phone that he'd been using, and they would buy the ticket for him. And I said, I don't know about that. I don't, I'm not comfortable doing that. But again, you tell me your name and what bus stop you're at, and I'll buy you the ticket. No big deal. So after some runaround for that, he finally, he finally says, here, here, take, talk to this guy, and he'll explain everything to you. And so he's going to hand the phone to the guy who's the owner of the phone, and he's going to explain the whole situation to me. And I was like, well, I've got a pretty good understanding of what your situation is. Just tell me where you're at, and I'll buy you the bus ticket. So he finally hands the, the phone over to the, to the other guy, and I say, hey, I'm trying to help, but you know, where are you guys at? What bus stop are you at? And he starts to talk. And it's the same guy that I was talking to just a moment ago, only he was trying to disguise his voice just a little bit. But honestly, he wasn't very good at it. And so I told him, hey, look, you know, I, I don't think I can help you. I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I don't think I can help you. I hope things work out for you. If you really need to make it back to Pennsylvania by tomorrow, I hope you do. Best of luck, but it's not going to be for me. And so I hung up. And I felt a little bit bad about not helping him. I, I felt bad, you know, maybe this guy's story was legit. Maybe, maybe he really didn't have to get back to Pennsylvania so that he wouldn't go back to prison. And if this guy ended up back in prison because I wouldn't buy him a bus ticket, then I'd feel pretty bad about that. And I felt kind of bad about that. Until Wednesday of that week. When I came in the, in, in the office Wednesday morning, I looked at my phone, and the red light that tells me there's a new message on the answering machine was blinking, and so I picked up the phone and started playing the messages. And there was a message from some guy who, didn't, who had called this church, not realizing that he'd already called this church on Sunday, with the same exact story about how he had to get back to Pennsylvania, only this time he had to get there by Thursday. And, and so I just said, you know what? I think you all can figure out what I did with that message. So I didn't feel bad about it anymore. He didn't, that guy, he didn't want counsel. He didn't want help with changing his situation or even actually getting home. He was faking it. He, he was trying to play on my sympathies and manipulate me and, and to get me to, to send him some money. And I wish I could say that that was an isolated incident and that nothing like that had ever happened before. I wish I could say that, but the reality is I can't because it happens a lot. I've had other situations where people come in to pretend to be really godly, really spiritual, and they try to use that to manipulate and, and get their way to, for, for the church to do something that they want them to do that doesn't really have anything to do with anything else and doesn't uh, move our mission forward any. And they, they, but, you know, they're super spiritual. They're super godly, so we should help them, right? We should do this. Well, no, if it doesn't move the mission of the church forward. And here's the thing. When people are faking it, when they're being disingenuous, disingenuous, when they're wearing a mask, when they're, when they're playing a part, when they're pretending to be something that they are not, like, almost like it's Halloween or something, what they're doing is representing a false, false personhood, a falsehood of who they are. And they're, and they're not displaying who Christ made them to be. And, I, and look, I'll tell you, I wish I could say that I've never been like that either. I wish I could tell you that I am secure in who I am and that I always have been. But the truth is, is I haven't always been. And there have been seasons in life where I've been playing that game where I, I'm just, you know, faking it, afraid to be honest, afraid to be vulnerable, afraid to be myself. And so you wear the mask and you, you just 
kind of hang back and hide back and, and, and you just kind of keep up appearances, just going through the motions, you know, fake it till you make it, right? And that's almost been kind of the mantra of our culture. Fake it till you make it. Don't, don't let anybody see what's actually going on in your life. Don't, don't let anybody see the true you. Just fake it till you make it. I tell you, that's, I'm going to tell you, that's one of the biggest problems with marriages in our country right now in our culture. It's because relationships, husbands don't speak honestly to their wives, and wives don't speak honestly to their husbands, and they just go through the motions, and they just fake things and keep up appearances so that everybody thinks everything is fine. And when you don't, and, and when you just let everybody think everything is fine, guess what? All of those problems, they never resolve themselves. They just continue to fester and fester and fester until finally somebody says, you know what? I'm done with this. I can do this. I can fake it somewhere else. I can fake it with someone else. I can be by myself. I can be just fine. And, and relationships end that way. Any of you ever been there? Hiding, playing that game, sometimes with a selfish and wicked heart to manipulate people, sometimes with a fearful heart, afraid of people, sometimes just going through the emotions, uh, going through the motions, just keeping up appearances so that no one finds out, simply not being real or authentic. I think this was the struggle of the fifth church that we come to in Revelation, the church in Sardis. Here's what Jesus says to them in Revelation chapter 3. He says, I know all the things that you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed it first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. Jesus starts with, I know all the things that you do, which is a funny, kind of a funny thing because Here's the idea. We think we can fool people, right? We can, fool, we can even fool ourselves, but we can never fool Jesus because he knows all the things that we do, and yet he loves us in spite of that. He loves us anyway. But he says, you have a reputation for being alive. You have everyone around you convinced that, that, that you are alive, that, you are this, that you're something that you're not, but the truth is, is that you are dead. So he says, wake up. Jesus tells the church at Sardis, hey, you got to wake up. you got to stop living in this fantasy world that you're living in. It's time to come back to reality. It's time to stop playing games. It's time for you to start being real with each other. And here's the thing. I think that Jesus, if he were to say something to the church in America, the church in Glendale, the church wherever, I think this might be the thing that he would say to us today. Wake up. For too long we have buried our heads in the sand to the world around us. And we've ignored culture, we've ignored people, we've ignored the fringe of society, we've ignored too many things, and we've just tried to live in our own little bubble. And if everything is good in our own little bubble, then everything is fine. And Jesus says, no, 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 you got to wake up. Because there's a world around you that needs redemption. There's a world around you, there's people around you that need to know who I am. There are people who need to be brought to Christ. And if you're not going to wake up to the, to the realities that those people face then you're never going to lead them to me. Our mission, we say it every week, right? I'm going to talk about it again here in a minute. To lead people to love and follow Jesus. If we're not willing to wake up to the realities of the people around us, we will never lead anybody to love and follow Jesus. Jesus says, you've been slipping. You need to strengthen what little remains. You're holding on by a thread. And so he says to them, go back to what you first heard. 
and believe. Get back to the innocence of your faith. Go, go back to that place where you love Jesus with a pure heart. Go back, go back there and hold on to it. Repent, he says. There's that word that we've heard before in this series. Align yourself with, with the truth. The, the church has started, they started off great, but then they ended up faking it. And I think this is true for most Christians, that it's a slow fade from real faith to fake religious behavior. That it's a slow fade, but eventually we, we get tired and we just kind of go through the motions and we don't do anything to, to reignite our faith. We're, we're constantly dependent upon the preacher to feed me, to spoon feed me. And, and if you're constantly dependent upon somebody to spoon feed you, guess what? You're going to eventually die. You're going to eventually die. Your spiritual faith is going to die. And so, so it's just kind of this slow fade. They were fooling themselves and they were faking it for everyone around them. Pretending to play a part for whoever the audience was at that moment. And look, I wish I could say that I've never seen that happen in 20 years of ministry. But I've seen it too many times. I'm sure Mike could tell you stories from his 50 plus years of identical stories to ones that I could tell you. People wearing one mask at church and then behind closed doors the mask comes off. And, what, and what's beneath that is, is pretty scary. Sardis, the church at Sardis, somewhere along the way, they took their focus off of Jesus and pleasing Him. And they became focused on pleasing people. At some point, this church that was all about Jesus, all about their love for Jesus, they, they moved away from that. And again, I think it's a slow fade. Somebody didn't get their way in the church, and so they decided, hey, we've got to please this person. And this person didn't like that, and so they got to please that person. And they went back and forth, and eventually they quit focusing on Jesus altogether, and it was all about pleasing people. Look, if you want to please people, go sell ice cream. Okay? If you want to please people, go sell ice cream. But if you want to, if you want to lead people to love and follow Jesus, then be authentic and be real with people. And Jesus, he loved them enough to call them out on this and to call them back. And here's the great thing for us is that he loves us enough to do the same for us. If you've been playing a part, wearing a mask, faking it with people, he, he loves you enough to call you out on it. And if you're in leadership in any capacity of, of any organization, you, you can't fake it. You can't fake it. You have to be authentic and real. Because, and like I said, if you're worried about pleasing everybody, then just go sell ice cream. And guess what? Not everybody will be happy with you on that because you won't have their favorite flavor. Right? Baskin Robbins only has 31, right? I wanted number 32, right? Don't fake it. Choose to be authentic and be real. And I get for some of you, this is this idea might be hard, and some of you might be offended, probably because it, you know, maybe it's speaking to you, it's touching a nerve, and that's okay. People make a lot of noise when they're when they're in pain. But here's the thing, I, I, I love all of us too much. I love this church too much. And Jesus, more importantly, loves you too much to, to let us be a fake church, to let us be a phony church, to have an appearance of one thing and on the inside be something else. So how do we be real? How do we stop faking it? How are we authentic? How do we stop playing that game? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's actually, it's really pretty simple. It's pretty simple, but it's hard to do. Here's the first thing. Be vulnerable. Allow yourself to be vulnerable. Fake people don't let anybody close to them. They are guarded. They don't, want it. they don't want anybody to see behind the veil. They're afraid to let anyone see the real them. Be vulnerable. And a lot of times this, this lack of vulnerability, this inability to be vulnerable, it, it stems from having been hurt in the past. And I can tell you 
firsthand that there is no hurt like church hurt. If you've been hurt by the church, or maybe you're watching this, you're, you're watching it online because you don't want to be in person because of that vulnerability, and you've been hurt by the church in the past, let me just, on behalf of churches across the world, let me apologize for the hurt that some church might have given to you. I can tell you that there is no hurt like church hurt. I've been hurt by churches. And, and, and I think the reason it hurts more than anything else, is, any other reason, is because in the church you expect things to be different, right? We expect, we expect people in here to act differently than the rest of the world, right? And so when people inside the church don't act any different than the rest of the world, it hurts more because our expectations are higher. There is no hurt like church hurt. And so if you've been hurt by the church, I'm really, really sorry about that. I'm really sorry that you might have been hurt, that you might have been neglected, that you might have felt left behind by the church. Um, but other times, the reason people won't be vulnerable is just because of their sin in their life. They don't want anyone to see or find out about. They've got some secret sin, some hidden sin that they don't want anybody else to know about. For others, it's just plain old insecurity. But regardless of whatever the reason is, we can't when, when we can't or won't be vulnerable, we hinder our own spiritual growth. We limit our, our ability to, be, to, genuine, to genuinely connect with people. I can't talk this morning. And so here's what happens. When you can't be vulnerable with people, you end up doing life alone. You end up doing life alone. And as I've said many, many times before, we were not meant to do life alone. We were meant to do life in community. But a community of fake people isn't community. It's just a bunch of people pretending to be something else. So be vulnerable. The second thing is to be selfless. If we're going to be real, we, we need to be vulnerable. We need to be selfless. Fake people are all about themselves. They're guarding their image, the, the image that they, have, that they have concocted, and they're only interested in what benefits them. They'll, they'll play games and pretend to care, and if, if it helps them, but at the end of the day, it's really their mindset is all about them. So if we're going to be real, we need to be selfless. Philippians 2.3 says this. It says, don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. When we are being fake, we put ourselves first above everybody else. Trying to make that impression, trying to maintain a facade. But Paul says, Paul says think of others as better than yourself. Take a selfless stance. So if we're going to be real, we've we got to be vulnerable, and we've got to be selfless, and we've got to be humble. Fake people think they know everything about everything. They lie to themselves and everyone else all for the sake of this illusion. They, they always have a story or, or an experience that makes them the center of attention. They embellish always trying to make themselves look better. It, it really boils down to, the, to, to pride. I went to college with a... With a a guy, he was, uh, he, his roommate, he was not my roommate, but we had four apartments, and he lived in the apartment next to mine, and he, we called him the, we, we called him dad, because he always had a dad story that would top yours. Whatever your story was, you know, my dad did this when I was a kid, well, well, my dad did this, and it was always bigger, it was always greater, and then we met this kid's dad, and we had some fun with that. Because we just started asking him. He, he came to visit his son. And so we said, hey, he tells us that you did this. Did you ever do that? Like, tell us what that was like. And he's like, I've never done that. And so, oh, well, tell us, what, tell us about this time. Because he told us about that. And he's like, well, I've never done that either. 
And we found out, which we already knew, that all of these great dad stories that he had to tell us weren't true. They were all made up. They were all just so that he could be the center of attention, so that he could be the, the, the because he had too much pride. Proverbs says this, it says, Too much pride can put you to shame. It's wiser to be humble. It's better to be humble. Pride will always get you into danger. Ego is a dangerous thing. And look, whether you think you have an ego or not, you do. Everybody has one, and everybody likes to have their ego puffed up from time to time. But here's the thing, pride, it it will get you into trouble if you always have to have your ego massaged. It it will. You'll always be looking for that next thing that's going to pump you up, that's going to puff you up a little bit. And eventually, what you're going to find yourself is around nobody that wants to do that for you. You're going to, and you're going to end up doing life alone again. Pride says, I don't have a problem all the while while your life is just falling apart. Pride keeps us from repenting because we arrogantly think that we're right all the time. Pride is a trap and it keeps us from being real. And, I, and if I'm perfectly honest with you, if I'm as transparent as I can be, this is probably the thing that I struggle with the most. This incessant need to be right. This prideful thing. Christy fusses at me all the time. We'll be talking about something and, and a small, minute detail that doesn't make a difference to whatever it was we're talking about. I'll correct. And she just, she's finally, she, she calls me out on it. She says, why do you do that? Why do you got to be right all the time? Why can't you just let the story be? It's like, well, that's not the way it happened or it's not true. It's like, no, it doesn't matter. You know, we went to the grocery and it was, and it, whatever we picked up was in aisle five instead of aisle four. And, you know, it's that kind of stuff. If we're going to be real, we have to be selfless and vulnerable and humble. We don't always have to be right. And look, men, I get it. Men, this is like our thing, right? We are, we're right about everything. Just, you know, my, as Mike says, I was wrong once, but I was mistaken. And, and right? We all have to be right. There's this incessant need to be right all the time. We've got to let go of that. We simply have to let go of that. And I can guarantee you this, if you're married, and I'm preaching to myself right here more than anybody else, if you're married and you're a man and you're willing to let go of that incessant need to be right all of the time, your wife will love you better. She will. She will love you better as a result of it. So if we're going to be real, we've got to be vulnerable and selfless and humble and honest. Fake people are all about putting on air on airs and trying to impress. They will lie and, and deceive to preserve the illusion. And sadly, they will lie to themselves. And we get into the most trouble when we lie to ourselves. And, and, and here's the thing. When you lie to yourself, you'll eventually you'll lie to yourself so much that you'll actually begin to believe that that lie is true. And you have concocted this whole little fantasy world where, where nothing that you nothing that has actually happened has happened. When we tell ourselves that I can deal with these issues on my own, those are dangerous words. Those are dangerous lies. The honest truth is, is you can't. You need help. We need other people to walk alongside of us. We were not meant to do life alone. If you don't hear anything else today, hear that. We were not meant to do life alone. We need other people to walk alongside of us, to help us work through things, to hold us accountable. And it, start, it all starts with being honest about who we are and where we are at and what we are struggling with. And churches, especially churches, should be a place where we value being real over being religious. This is a place where it's okay to not be okay. 
At least I want it to be that kind of place. I hope that you feel like that, that this is a place that it's okay to not be okay, that we all have our faults, that we all have our failings, that we all have sins and struggles, so there's no need to lie about it. There's no need to lie about whatever it is that you're struggling with because guess what? I struggle with something too. There's no need for that. You're in good company. This is a place where it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way because Jesus wants to help us work through our stuff so that we can be okay. Proverbs again says, Lies will get, a man, will get any man into trouble, but honesty is its own defense. I love that. Honesty is its own defense. You ever had somebody talk about you and they told some lie about you and what's your first urge to go and correct it? To, to, and I get that's like the self-defense, the self-preservation mode. Honesty is its own defense. If someone is spreading lies about you, you don't need to defend it. Because honest, the, the truth will always come out. Honesty will be its own defense. If we're going to be real, we have to be honest. And so the bottom line uh, that I would say today is this, is just choose authentic, authenticity. Choose authenticity. Be real with each other. Be real with yourself. Be real in your relationships with your spouses and with your friends and with your coworkers and with your neighbors. And most importantly, in your relationship with Jesus. No one likes that shady used car salesman. We're drawn to people who are, who are genuine, who are authentic, who are real. We are repelled by people who are fake and always, you know, just trying to deceive us. I want us to be like Jesus. He's the most authentic person to ever walk this earth. He was vulnerable and he was selfless and he was humble and he was honest. He embodied what it looked like to be real and authentic. So let's choose authenticity because when we choose to be authentic, we are choosing to live more like Jesus. So let's repent. Let's get our heads and our hearts in alignment with Jesus. Let's commit to being real, to not faking it. Let's commit to choosing authenticity. Imagine what our church, what our community would be like if we all lived this way. If we all lived in real, authentic relationships with one another and with Jesus. I think it would change the world. It would certainly change our church. It would certainly change our community, but I think it has the power to change the world. That's what's always impressed me about the, the disciples in, in Acts. What did, they, what did the people around the disciples say that didn't know them, but they'd heard about them? They said they have turned the world upside down. And that's, I think that's a great motto. I think that's, that's what I want the world to say about the church today. Is that we don't necessarily like what they we don't necessarily like what they do. We don't necessarily believe all that they believe. We don't necessarily agree with everything that they that they believe. But man, they have made a difference. They have turned the world upside down because they are real and authentic in what they believe and in who they are and who they follow. So let's choose to be authentic so that the rest of the world will choose to follow Jesus. Let me pray for us.